0: Inspiring solutions to save America
1: one show at a time.
0: Are you ready to get on board?
2: They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I, I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again.
0: From sea to shining sea,
2: three hours of bold, truth, and excellence.
0: The Wendy Bell Radio Program.
3: Welcome back. Hour three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. This particular segment every single week is important. It's become increasingly so. Our world, undeniably, has become demonstrably more dangerous. It is by design, whether it's by incompetence or it's to purposely open the door to dangerous people who hate America, no matter how you slice it. We have to deal with it. And we have a national security expert who is a friend of the show. His name is John Guandolo. John, I want to welcome you back. And I want to ask you right out of the gates. You know, Rashida Talib. holy moly. We've got Marjorie Taylor Greene wanting to censure her. We've got alleged uh, connection between Talib and Hamas. Walk me through what's going on. This is a U.S. congresswoman.
4: Yeah, no, no surprise here. This is what uh, myself and my team, my colleagues, have been saying for uh, a long time about her uh, support uh, for Hamas. And uh, what's interesting is uh, now we know that uh, the connections are solid, thanks to uh, some work by some folks uh, digging and producing a report. And this is basically... Um, What's interesting is that this is basically a uh, a pro-Israel group, uh, an uh, anti-Hamas group, I should say. And really what they're doing is publishing uh, truth. But let me just get to it. Um, She created a group called Blacks for Palestine uh, to fundraise. And this is a fundraising arm for a, a designated terrorist organization, Hamas. And the evidence right out of the gate, uh, and I'll just say um, this was not shocking because some of these people have been in her orbit, but it tells me a lot that she would be so brazen to, to directly involve them with fundraising for her organization considering they have already faced legal action because they are fundraisers for Hamas in the United States. It tells me that our adversaries literally just, don't care um and uh what do you mean they don't care they don't care about what they don't care about getting caught they know nothing is going to happen to them that's what i mean she knows nothing she knows she probably won't be censored she certainly won't be arrested for directly funding a terrorist group because that's the way the system works right now um it doesn't it is it is moving it is operating in support of the adversaries of the united states and that's what it's going to be and you'll hear a lot of hot air coming out of congress but nobody's going to do anything department justice i would be shocked truly shocked if any action is taken here um and the only reason they would throw her under the bus is if it becomes expedient to continue what they're doing but i don't see him doing it because they haven't done it yet and she is openly supporting Hamas by aiding and abetting them, by providing them uh, support through her official uh, color of her office. So I just, I just want to say this because this, to me, for your audience what, who's listening to me, uh, probably uh, energized here, it's because um, it's so crystal clear to a guy like me who uh, has been doing this for so long. And that's the point, is when you see, see guys uh, like Salah Sarsour, who is a major fundraiser for Hamas uh, and, and was included in the, the details and the paperwork and the evidence in the HLF trial, which was the largest terrorism financing trial in U.S. history, adjudicated 2008 in Dallas, Texas, a, as, one of the fundraisers for HLF, who was never prosecuted, um, and a guy who was involved in other Hamas organizations like the uh, uh, American Muslims for Power and A.M.P. And you've got a guy like Rafiq Jaber, who's one of the oldest Hamas operatives in the United States, meaning he's old by age, but he's been around longer than anyone else. He was one of the original founders of Hamas doing business as CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. He's identified as being a member of the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood's Palestine Committee, which the FBI testified is Hamas in the United States. And here he is right there. You were talking about key Hamas leaders and fundraisers right in the middle of her organization. So this would be an easy prosecution, I guess is what I'm saying. But... uh, you know, I, don't, I, I have no belief that anything is going to happen. And I hope your, your idealistic listeners and viewers don't think so either.
3: Right. So you have Hamas openly um, calling for the destruction of Jews, hating Jews, hating Christians. Should we be bracing for paying attention to places where we worship, uh, our churches, our synagogues? Or do you think that there's going to be something because um, it's going to happen? Something's going to happen. Uh, th- th- there's a reason the borders are open. And I keep trying to think, John, what is this administration getting? Are they getting paid? Are they getting power? Are they getting something? What are they getting by putting all of us in such awful danger? Well,
4: oh, this is all about control of the state and power. Right. So, yes. So for those who are true believers in the Islamic movement, it's an Islamic state under Sharia. That's And most of them, and I would put Rashida Tlaib in that category, they're true believers um they are you know sharia adherent muslims that want to see uh these things come to pass so that's that side on the communist side um it's all about control of state and power as well and if and i know you know this and my guess is most of your listeners do when communists take power it's not what they advertise right it's this very small minority gets the money and yes. the nice houses and the cars and the people suffer always 100% of the time since communism or you know form of it even its precursors have come into to play in the last 150 years so that is uh well actually uh, 200 years almost and that is what it's about and then those people who are ideologically or, or excuse me, not ideologically aligned with either of these movements that are collaborating with them or financing them, uh, are doing it for other means: for power, for money, because they hate America, because they worship Satan, or all kinds of reasons. You know, that people are doing that. There's
3: a wake up though. You're seeing some uh, the 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 Jews here, secular Jews in America, waking up and realizing that the progressive groups that they thought were kumbaya with them, holding hands, Black Lives Matter, Greta Thunberg, Obama, you know, Biden, all of these groups they thought they were on the side of are realizing now that these groups hate them. And there, there's this, this colliding of social justice forces, and you're seeing it manifested on college campuses all across the country.
4: Yes. And uh, I, I always say, people, we, we kind of get what we deserve uh, a lot of times, and when we don't, we should be thankful for that. Um, But, uh, you know, these communities, these are the same communities who publicly blasted people like me and stood on the steps of their synagogue or on the steps of a courthouse holding hands with known Hamas leaders. And uh, so I got to tell you, I I have a hard time uh, feeling sympathy, garnering up sympathy for them as their community. We've been telling you,
3: right? We've been trying to tell you you haven't been listening, right?
4: Yeah, I, I, uh, I feel sad for them. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, completely disconnected. I'm, I'm empathetic to their cause. But uh, they have been told over and over. And uh, I know people in the Jewish community. I know rabbis. I know people who are, have created community groups that have gone national, that have tried to warn their uh, Jewish brethren. I know a very close friend of mine who did that. And he wanted to really work with local Jewish organizations. And they basically told him to piss off, that that he was a racist and a bigot. And now they're getting smashed by the same Hamas people they were cobbling. So it's hard for—I'm still empathetic because, um, you know, there were times in my life when people were telling me, you know, 20, 30 years ago, hey, you know, you your might empathy want to think about your X, y, and, Z. and, your empathy, and I was a hard head too yes
3: your empathy has a statute of limitations i imagine
4: <laughs> right? I'm, I'm trying to understand but uh, i don't want to see innocent people hurt i g- agree um, but stupidity has a price and uh, arrogance has a price right, it's really right, more yeah. that yeah um,
3: when we well, i'm going to take a quick break with you and john when we come back here's what i want to do i want to ask you you sent me this i didn't know about this so 1,700 sociology faculty, staff, graduate students, professors across America joined together to sign a letter, okay? What is going on? Well, you know what's going on. College is an indoctrination zone. That's what it is. Create the next generation of clone troopers. And it's well underway. Talk to John Guandolo, our national security expert, about that next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Let's get back out to national security expert John Guandolo. John served as a federal agent, was in the FBI. He knows what he's talking about. He's basically dedicated his professional life to uh, exposing jihadi and communist threats in our country, of which there are an innumerable number. All right. Let's talk about this. 1,700 sociology professors. What on earth is going on on our college campuses? And are people waking up that school equals indoctrination these days?
4: Well, I think it's good to note that our adversaries do what they say they're going to do. They have a, a doctrine, and if we're talking about the communist movement, that's the Communist Manifesto. In America, they have an operational manual, which is Rules for Radicals, and they have their 45 uh, stated goals. And I'll just, I'll just read uh, two or three of them, because it directly relates to your question. Number 38, transfer some of the powers of arrest from police to social agencies, treat all behavioral problems as psychiatric disorders which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. Number 39, dominate the psychiatric profession and use mental health laws as a means of gaining coercive control over those who oppose communist goals. So if we look at that and we look at the fact that the communists directly targeted college campuses in general and then we know they've targeted the mental health psychiatric and sociology uh, lines of both education and profession with a specific goal in order then this would make sense that you would get 1700 sociologists most of whom are from the United States there are a few outliers jumped on and signed on because they're visiting professors but still they're you know working in U.S. uh, uh, colleges and campuses and these aren't just Small colleges. Mm-mm. This is like Brown, Princeton, Yale. <laughs> if you go through and read, these are major, if you actually read the names of the 1700, which I know you look through, mm-hmm. the, you've got major prestigious universities that are literally have communists working in them and uh, curious what the university is going to do. And my guess is nothing. These universities are not going to do anything because they support this communist agenda big donors are running the place
3: big donors pulling out though i think a lot of big donors who are jews who are successful billionaires are seeing what i think a lot of people i mean heck i was in college graduated in 1994 from graduate school right and i saw the programming being attempted then Right. And it's not just at these elite schools, John. I'm even more concerned about these monster state schools, which That's are right. which are literal mills of propaganda and indoctrination, apparently.
4: That's right. I just, you you kind of have to remember, you know, when we look at communism, you know, Marx created it, Lenin operationalized it and Mao perfected it. And this idea of political warfare mm-hmm. that they're coming at us in literally hundreds of lines of operation. But Stalin said, and others have said, Mao acknowledge the education system has to be in the hands of the government, which we moved it into in the late 1800s. We started with, uh, it, it went out of the community and now public school, I'll put that in quotes, is truly a government institution instead of being a commu- like church, a community-controlled entity. There's, there's no constitutional mandate for a U.S. Department of Education. should never exist. It should be shut down. Mm-hmm. And yet, even great presidents that we've had in the last 50 years haven't done it. And they've talked about it. Excuse me. They've talked about it, but they've never done it. And uh, this is, it's at the root of our downfall, yes. because you're right. These universities are churning out people who have lost the capacity to reason, or it's certainly diminished, to reason, to discern, to critically think, and that's the whole purpose of these movements, because they know once they've indoctrinated you, those people are gone, and it's almost impossible to get them back. And so the, the answer is, you have to now educate a several generations of Americans in true America's founding principles in truth, in rational and reasoned thought, critical thinking, in philosophy, the, the way we did it for, uh, you know, over 150 years in America before this started to uh, collapse. But uh, it's, it's a long slog, and the question is, are Americans willing to, again, take back their community at the local level? Is the idea of putting a Bible back in elementary school, even for Christians, and so I would say this is, I would shut down, uh, it, unless you're in one of these unique communities that still, that public schools are still controlled by uh, patriots uh, who understand the founding principles, I, I think, you know, pull your children out of the public schools and send them to private schools or st- homeschool or start a school in your neighborhood.
3: Yeah, it has to be at home. And of course, one of those um, principles of communism is is destruction of the nuclear family, which they've well right. well on their way done. John, I want to thank you for your time as always. It's wonderful to have our national security expert, John Guandolo's thoughts. And yeah, it's a lot to take in. But I, as a mom of a college graduate, one who's a senior, one who's in the pipeline and two are coming up the ranks. This calls for communication at home, around the dinner table. Get back to that, right? That's what we got to do. All right, John Kirby. John Kirby, not uh, the last liar we'll talk about of the day, on deck next with good news and bad jokes. Don't go anywhere. You're tiled into the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio Program, my friends. It's a perfect piggyback, and I think it's the glue that kind of holds the theme of today's show together. You know, we started talking about this information alleging that perhaps former chief of staff for Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, was working in cooperation with the feds and was wearing a wire to record the president in his natural habitat, right? So since that story came out last night, it has been disproven, right? And so we've been able to come out and say this is the danger of information today, that nobody tells the truth anymore. And when you create the guise of fact-checking by creating you know, positions where people are the arbiters of what is right and what is not, the end result is we are being manipulated. And then to go through with John Guandolo, our former, former federal agent, and a guy who understands the true threat of communism and jihadi uh, ideas in this country, you know, that we have a woman who's a top Iranian Pentagon aide who we know has been working in a special intelligence operation capacity for Iran as a top Pentagon aide is a woman who, who manages our relationships with Iran, keeping her security clearance even though she is fundamentally a part of the Iranian complex. This woman named... Ariane Tabatabai, right? That she has her security clearance, still has top secret information at her fingertips. And we know Iran hates us. They want us dead. They want the destruction of America. Why is this lady anywhere near America, let alone? At the highest echelons with the most top-secret security clearance. What? (laughs) Like, what? And so yesterday in the White House press briefing room, one of the main liars-in-chief, next to Corrine Jean-Pierre, who's just adult, right, is John Kirby. And he's Admiral John Kirby. And he's going to try to spin, but he's going to woefully fail. And I want you to hear when people long ago stopped telling you the truth, stopped caring about you, stopped loving America, stopped doing a good job because they were corrupted by forces beyond what normal good people can digest. You can't possibly fathom that somebody would be such a scumbag. And then you're like, oh, that's right, yeah, they can. Direct question here in the press briefing, hey, you know, what about this Ariane Tabata She's part of an Iranian influence operation. She's still chief of staff of the office that's handling the hostage negotiations with Hamas. What do you say about that? Listen to this guy's answer. John Kirby, go. Pentagon official, uh, Aryan Tabadabai, I believe I'm saying her last name correctly. Um, She was alleged to be involved in an Iranian government influence operation. There was some um, discussion about whether she should keep her security clearance. She did. But she's now the chief of staff for the office that's overseeing uh, hostage negotiations. So is it appropriate for someone with these connections to the Iranian regime to be overseeing rescue operations for Americans that are being held by Iran-backed proxies? I'd have to refer you to the Defense Department to speak to that, Jackie. Excellent. I'll have to, I have to refer you to the Defense Department. Yeah, I, You'll have to talk to the Pentagon about that. Oh, that's a question for the White House Counsel's Office. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, in a, I'm not in a position to answer that. Oh, okay, well, maybe you can answer this. How about the Americans being held by dangerous, murderous thugs in Gaza? Any word on them, how they doing? We're making moves to get them out. Uh, John Kirby, go. Do you have any update at all on the progress of uh, the attempts to have hostages free? Nothing that I can speak to today, no. No, got nothing. No, uh-uh. no. no? Uh, anybody else? anybody else out there we have dead Americans how many 20 I don't know what's the number do they talk about that or are they going to brush that under the rug kind of like Maui how many died actually 500 900 1,000 98 it was tragic no it's more than that we don't trust you for good reason because you lie. Audio soundbite number three. You know, so uh, why didn't you tell us until days afterwards that U.S. troops were injured when Iranian proxy thugs fired rockets and missiles into their bases in Syria and Iraq? John Kirby, uh, go ahead. Hopefully you've got an answer for that.
2: And then why were the
3: injuries not disclosed until Tuesday? I'd have to refer you to the Pentagon on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I can't talk about that. You'll have to talk to the Pentagon. Oh, Okay. Uh, Well, how about, um, what about, are we ever going to take action? Uh, Joe Biden said if any of our troops were injured, uh, anything happened to us, we would push back. What's that? Uh, What do you have on an update on that, John? Go ahead. John, the president said that if Iran or its proxies attacked U.S. troops, that we would respond. What is he waiting for exactly? He did say that. Where's the response? He said
2: that. And he said... That we will...
3: Heeding the warning <coughs> is the response? Jack, come on now. It's not his question. I'm not going to telegraph punches here from the podium. We have responded and retaliated in the past quite aggressively. In fact, back in March, and as the President said, uh, we will not hesitate to protect our troops and our facilities, but we're going to do it at a time of our choosing, in a manner of our choosing. And the decision to do it, if we do it, is his as commander in chief and his alone mm, i'm sure joe biden's the guy calling the shots right joe's at, he's at the resolute desk and he's actually he's across the street at the fake white house with the fold-out uh table from grandma's house where the kids used to sit right with that glue on seal that shows ooh, office of the president sitting at the fake right maybe shows the docks of long beach through the window right remember that well, we're going to strike. Well, apparently they did. U.S. fighter jets launching airstrikes early Friday. Uh, I, you know, do you believe that? I don't know. I don't know what to believe. And, and I'm certainly not believing the Associated Press because the Associated Press is the organization that's instructed its journalists not to use the word terrorist. Call, call Hamas. Call them militants. Oh, okay. Call them militants. Call them freedom fighters. That makes good sense. Don't call them terrorists. Associated Press. U.S. fighter jets launching airstrikes early Friday on two locations in eastern Syria linked to Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps. Does anybody else feel really uncomfortable about everything that's going on? Right? I feel like we have have B-rate high school musical freshman team, not even the JV team playing war games with countries that want to hate that hate us and want to destroy us and and meanwhile we're like you know that that army guy, the guy in the army who went through the transgender surgery, well, thank goodness we could pay for that with taxpayer dollars, right? And we're going to do some of that woke training. We're going to make sure that there's no LGBTQIA plus discrimination. We're going to we're going to tackle that. We're not going to be involved with troop readiness. We're not going to make sure people can run because like sixty percent of them are overweight. Uh, we're going to water down the requirements to even be a part of the military because people don't want to do it anymore because nobody wants to get killed. For a country run by a bunch of suckers. John Kirby, what do you think about that? <laughs> right? Wouldn't I be? I'd be awesome in the press room. They'd throw me out like white on rice, which is why Corrine Jean-Pierre not that long ago came out with that thing. Hey, you know what? You have to renew our gracious efforts to uh, give you your freedom of speech. If you're not worthy because you ask questions that we don't want you asking, Simon Ateba, you're not allowed to be a part of this. Isn't it just all so disappointing? You know, that, that's the best word I can use right now because after the en- an end of a week of reporting on these people and illuminating their suck, it's exhausting, isn't it? And that is why each of you deserve a very special good news. Let's go. All right, so Brock chose this this morning. I told him, "Ah, I got to get down and dirty. Got to find a good news. He said, do you want me to do it? And I said, yes. So Brock, I haven't seen it. Tell everybody what this is about.
0: It's about a community coming together to help one woman while helping
1: themselves at the same time.
3: I love it. My boyfriend, Steve Hartman. Yes. Enjoy,
1: my friends. They come together at the crack of dawn from all directions converging on this tiny house in St. Louis, Missouri for their weekly Wednesday visit with 66-year-old Peggy Winkowski.
0: It's raining.
1: Grandma Peggy brings everyone together. She's just like a built-in grandma to all of us. She cares for
2: us a lot. She really cares for us.
1: The students who visit Grandma Peggy attend Bishop Deberg High School and are part of what they call the Wednesday Breakfast Club. Seeing the spread, you can understand why kids might want to come here. But what isn't so clear is how Peggy got roped into hosting. The Wednesday Breakfast Club actually used to meet at this diner. Until one day, a kid named Sam Crow said, you know, my grandma could cook better than this. So the next Wednesday, they showed up at her doorstep.
2: I'm like, okay. And they came all school year, every Wednesday.
1: That was back in 2021. And it continued merrily until that day when all joy was lost. About a year and a half ago, Peggy's grandson, Sam, a sophomore at Bishop De Burg, was killed in a hit and run. The boy was beloved. So of course, breakfast was the last thing on anyone's mind. And yet, the very next Wednesday, And virtually every Wednesday since during the school year, the kids have returned to Grandma Peggy's in numbers far greater than before.
2: Sam would be so proud. Look at what he started.
1: Everyone coming together for a heaping helping of healing.
2: It melts my heart.
1: It's really not about the
3: food. It's just about being together. We benefit from her. She benefits from us.
2: It's like we feed off each other. And we're like keeping his memory alive. Good morning, guys.
1: Everyone grieves differently, but those who manage it best always seem to blanket themselves with kindred spirits, sharing the burden, teaching each other to laugh again, and building tradition to make sure those memories are as snug and sustaining as a warm meal at grandma's. This is the
2: best morning.
1: Steve Hartman, on the road, in St. Louis. Makes
2: Wednesday so much fun.
1: Wow, I don't know about you,
3: but man, did I need that! All right, don't go anywhere. I can't promise you how this is going to end up. It's bad jokes. They're supposed to be bad. They're supposed to be stupid. (laughs) My in-laws didn't like the ones last week. They thought they needed to be worse, (laughs) so they've they've given a few, and I'm going to drop them on you guys here. Bad joke Friday coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, if you're new to the show, Bad Joke Friday is how we always wrap it up. Remember, there are rules. Number one, jokes have to be terrible. Number two, we're not allowed to read them in advance. (laughs) Number three, that adds to the badness. So without further ado... Ladies and
0: gentlemen... I just flew in from New York, and boy, my arm's tired. <laughs>
3: I'm joking, of course.
0: <laughs> Anywho. Welcome to the Comedy Club. will not you give it up to Wendy and Brock for
1: Bad Joke Friday? All
3: right, Dr. Richard Rafford, he's always the first one. Jack wakes up with a horrible hangover, throbbing black eye. The first thing he sees is a single rose and a note on the table that says, My dear... Breakfast is made. I've gone to the store to buy your favorite dinner for tonight. I love you. Jack goes into the kitchen and sure enough, breakfast is made. Says to his son, well, what the hell happened here last night? Well, you came home pretty sauce last night, Dad. Tripped over a chair, got a black eye. <laughs> so what's with the rose, the breakfast, and the sweet note from your mother? <laughs> oh, that. Well, Mom dragged you into the bedroom last night, and when she tried to take off your clothes, you kept screaming, Leave me alone! I'm married! <laughs> wow. I liked it.
0: What's the difference between a preppy dude on a bike and a bum on a unicycle? What? A tire
3: attire A T T I. gotcha how about this good thing
0: I, you were able to spell that out
3: i asked my wife to rate my listening skills she said you're an eight on a scale of 10 still don't know why she wants me to urinate on a skeleton <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good one that's almost swear, too good to be if on bad it, joke if it
3: has to do with pee, it's good for a man that's i haven't
0: slept for three days because that would be too long
3: Oh, very nice. Uh, I wonder what kind of doctor Dr. Pepper was. <clears throat> a physician.
0: <laughs> All right. right, I'm gonna. A teenager brings her new boyfriend home to meet her parents. Mm. They're appalled by his haircut, tattoos, and piercings. Ooh. Later, the girl's mom says, dear, he doesn't seem like a very nice boy. She said, oh, please, mom. If he wasn't nice, he wouldn't be doing 500 hours of community service.
3: Oh, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. A boy asked his mother, why are computers so smart? His mom replied, because they listen to their motherboards. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I asked my dad for his best dad joke. Mm-hmm. He said it was me.
3: Oh, ouch. Best dad joke. Did you know that humans eat more bananas than monkeys? I mean, when was the last time you ate a monkey?
0: That's so stupid. <laughs> if Whole Foods sets... If, full, if whole if whole if Whole Foods sells sliced fruit, is it false advertising? There you go. That's a good one. That's a good that's one. A, that's one of those
3: make yeah. you think. What's the difference between communism and a pencil? Well, the pencil works on things other than paper. Yep, I like <sighs> it. How do you fix a broken jack o' lantern? With a pumpkin patch.
0: Two blood stains on the road. One is for. One is from a Republican, the other from a Democrat. Uh-huh. How can you tell the difference? Huh. The Republican has skid marks. I don't know.
3: I don't, I, I don't understand that. Do you understand that? No. Okay, good. I just got, somebody's going to now understand it and they're going to email me and I'm going to feel stupid. I just got over my addiction to chocolate, marshmallows, and nuts. To be honest, it was a rocky road.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Argentina is surprisingly cold. Oh. In fact, it's bordering on Chile.
3: Why didn't the monster eat the ghost?
0: Because it tastes like sheet. (laughs) A woman (laughs) walks into a doctor's office. She has a banana up her nose, a cucumber in her right ear, and a carrot in her left ear. I don't feel so well, doc, she says. What's the matter with me? Doctor replies, you're not eating properly.
3: (laughs) She should just get fields of green. why Why don't skeletons fight? They don't have the guts. And how do you make holy water? You know the answer. You boil the hell out of it.
0: Oh, gosh. What do you call a fat pumpkin? Huh? A plumpkin.
3: Okay. You have another one?
0: What's the best band to listen to in the fall? Hmm. Pumpkin Spice Girls. Oh, God.
3: What do you call a soldier who survived mustard gas and pepper spray? A seasoned veteran. (laughs) That's so so wrong.
0: My neighbor's complaining about all his chickens arguing. He says it's not the the noise that bothers him. Mm -hmm. It's all the foul language.
3: Oh, what do you get when you cross a pit bull with Lassie? A dog that will rip you to bits and then run for help.
0: No, I fully reject that. I know. Why does Sherlock Holmes love eating at Mexican restaurants? Why? They always give him good case ideas. Okay, oh, quesadillas. quesadillas. After
3: being sense. married for 50 years, I took a look at my wife one day and said, 50 years ago, we had a cheap house, a junk car, slept on a sofa bed, watched a 10-inch black and white TV, but I got to sleep with a hot 23-year-old girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Now we have a $500,000 house, a $65,000 car, a big bed, a large screen, color TV, but I'm sleeping with a 73-year-old <laughs> woman. Seems to me that you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Wow. Uh, and by the way, this is how it continues. My wife is a very reasonable <laughs> woman. She told me to go out and find a hot 23-year-old girl, and she would make sure that I would be living in a cheap house, driving a junk car, sleeping right. on a sofa, button, watching a 10-inch black and white TV.
0: Yeah, who didn't see that coming? I didn't see if that If I ever cow. win the lottery, rest assured that nobody around me will be poor. And I mean that. I'll move to a rich neighborhood. Oh, God.
3: If a cow fails to produce milk, is it a milk dud or an utter failure? Ooh. That's something my mother-in-law would like. That one's for you, Mary.
0: That one's bad.
3: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to be with you. Remember, Wendy Bell Radio Network app. If you like what we're doing, join on the live stream next time, right? Get the app. Get the um, podcast, rather. Wendy Bell Radio. Have a safe and blessed weekend, all right? Peace to all of you.